Warning, Deep Fix contains adult content and language. So if you don't touch processed foods, but eat gummy bears, this may not be for you. And now, Deep Fix. Hello, and welcome to Deep Fix, where we're getting a fix of all of our favorite obsessions. I'm your host, Jen B. This season, we're doing a deep dive into the iconic Real Housewives of New York City, seasons one through three. And this episode, we're doing a deep dive into episode seven, season one's finale, Second Chances. Now, let's get our fix. Well, I can't believe I'm saying this because it seems too soon, but we have made it to the season one finale episode, which is episode seven, Second Chances. And I'm sure part of why it feels like how can we already be here is because, well, being season one, they obviously didn't know whether the show was going to be popular. So it's an abbreviated season. There's only seven episodes. But don't worry, we still have the reunion to cover. There's only one part, but we've got the reunion and lost footage. So we're not done with season one of Roni yet. And I can't wait for us to get to the reunion and then on to season two, which things just start heating up. But before we get there, we've got the season finale for the first season of Real Housewives of New York City, Second Chances. So let's dive into it because I think it's turtle time. So we're here. We're at the finale of season one. I can't believe it. Season one of Roni was a prototype in so many ways for housewives and set the tone. For instance, the season finale here culminates with a final holiday party where all of the ladies are invited. And it's the first of many final episodes where there's a final party. So the finale episode opens with Luann, and she's really focused on her charity work this episode. You can see what she's giving the producers and the cameras, and it's very much in line with the I'm a countess. This is what I'm doing. I'm spending my time. I'm giving my time to the charities that I love and being very philanthropic and gracious. So the first stop is the Habitat for Humanity charity event. We see her on the red carpet And she then runs into Bethany, who's also showing up at the event. And then both of them run into Simon and Alex at the event as well. And at the event, they set up the concept of Ramona and Simon and reliving what happened at girls' night with Ramona's freakout with Simon showing up. And we get the setup that perhaps Ramona's going to need to redeem herself. We also see Luann going to the Soho Partnership, which is an organization that helps homeless people and addicts in recovery get back on their feet. And she goes in and helps a former addict with interview skills and getting the right outfit for the interview and practicing what to say and how to answer questions. And clearly Luann is pushing the charitable countess narrative. And I think Luann is smart in the persona that she's trying to present and what, like I said, what she's giving the cameras and the producers. 
And then finally, we have the holiday party, which is thrown by Jill. And she attends with her kids, but shocker, the count is not there. But we do leave, leave Luann seeing that she's planning on taking her and the kids. They're going to fly to Europe to go meet up with the count for the holidays. And then we have Alex and her final episode for the season. And she and Simon also, as I said, go to the Habitat for Humanity charity event. And they meet up with Bethany and Luann and they discuss Ramona's behavior towards Simon and how Simon feels about it. And then we later find out that Simon's stepfather died and he has to go to Australia and be away for Alex for, get this guys, nine days. They've never done it before. It's going to be a stretch, but they're going to have to do it while Alex stays back and tends to some school meetings with for Francois. And then we see one of the school meetings and it's just awful. It's of course, it looked like some sort of IQ test for kids And, of course, Francois is putting on a show. He's acting up, as usual. And, of course, Alex seems totally oblivious, and her kid's incredibly smart, if you ask her. And the whole thing is, it reeks of pretension, as usual. What they're giving the cameras and the producers, it's gold from the producer's perspective. From Simon and and Alex's perspective, it's, it's definitely not... So we get a lot of the vibes of my kids are geniuses. Meanwhile, we're cutting to them covered in chocolate screaming like maniacs. And of course, we have the holiday party because all the ladies are invited and they show up. The families are invited as well. And we see Francois. His behavior is just atrocious. And we see Simon and Alex just oblivious and refusing to discipline. The behavior is pretty spectacular. And they are as awkward and oblivious as ever. And then we've got Bethany, who takes up a big chunk of this episode. She is a bit more settled this episode. She and Jason are moving in together, and we see she and Jill's relationship blossoming. A lot of the scenes have to do with she and uh, Jill spending time together, planning parties together, spending time on her birthday. And we see Bethany. She's helping Jill plan the holiday party. And you can tell, I'm sure some of it is cut out, But there are scenes where we hear Bethany saying, you'll be surprised, give Ramona a chance, hence the second chances. We definitely see Bethany pushing Ramona's cause and telling the ladies to give, just try her out one more time. We also follow Bethany on her birthday, which is November 4th. So it's fall. And we see that she spends the majority of her day with Jill again. And we follow them to the racetrack. And then we also see Bethany's birthday dinner where she has a couple of friends and Jill and Bobby in attendance. So between planning the holiday party, the finale party, the horse races and the birthday dinner, Bethany, along with Jill, gets a lot of screen time in this finale episode. And naturally, we also have Jill. And primarily this episode, Jill is the hostess of the finale holiday party. But before the party, we get some fun with Allie. She and Allie are at Zarin Fabrics, their company, and Allie is the intern, and we get some great mother-daughter harassment. And of course, Jill plans the holiday party with Bethany's help, and you can tell she is still pissed at Ramona for her behavior at Girls' Night Out, but Bethany's, you know, again, trying to say, give her a second chance. And we see Jill spend the entire day with Bethany for her birthday, from the horse races to the birthday dinner. And Jill does start to pick at Bethany again between moving in with Jason and what birthday presents she gets and constantly talking about material things. We do start to see a small crack in the personalities and friendship between the two of them, but I don't think they notice it and I don't think even the audience at this point notices it. 
And then we've got the finale holiday party. And at the holiday party, I think we really see that Jill is the center of the show, at least the center of this episode. She was almost meant to be the narrator, and she's gathering all the women together for the party. And despite being mad at Ramona, they make up and move on. And then lastly, we have Ramona. She's coming off of the girls' night out epic freakout that she has on Simon, and it's definitely her redemption tour this episode. We see more of Ramona getting skin treatments with Dr. Sharon Geezy, her plastic surgeon, bringing her friends. And then finally, at the holiday party, despite having arrived over an hour late and nearly giving Jill a coronary for having done so, Ramona redeems herself and we see the ladies cheers to a successful year and a successful season of Manhattan Moms. And now that we have an overview of the season one finale, let's jump right into our deep dive with Mention It All. All right, it's here, the deep dive into the season one finale, which is a great Roni episode. And the episode opens with Luann. We see her at the Habitat for Humanity event. It's a charity event for Hurricane Katrina. She's on the step and repeat on the red carpet, having her picture taken. And Bethany arrives and we get a hello, Countess. And they, of course, get photographed together on the step and repeat and head into the event. And in the event, we then run into Alex and Simon. The group all gets together And they decide to head out to the silent auction where it's a bit more quiet and they can have a conversation. We get a little bit of them shopping. Luann's bidding on a bag. Bethany's saying, you know, you should. And then finally, they all get around a cocktail table. And Bethany says, "Okay, let's not act like there's not a giant hundred pound elephant in the room. And let's talk about Ramona's freak out on you, Simon. Are you okay? What happened? And Bethany and Luann proceed to grill really both Alex and Simon. First, they turn to Simon and say, did you know it was going to be all women? It was a girl's night. And Simon blatantly lies, which I think shows what I was saying about the previous episode, where they're clearly staging the thing, the him showing up and what would clearly be awkward if I didn't show up now, right? That whole thing. So Bethany quickly turns around and goes, yes, you did. You knew. And then they turn to Alex and it's her turn to be on the chopping block. And Luann says, why would you want to bring your husband to a girl's night out anyhow, regardless of how weird your husband is, by wanting to come himself? And of course, Alex, who's not great with this stuff, is now on the defense and her husband's right there. And so she turns it into this awkward conversation about she's coming clean. She doesn't get girls' nights, guys' nights. It's a gender equality issue for her, to which Bethany immediately calls the bullshit. She's like, give me a break. Take that to Capitol Hill. No, not dealing with that. And you can tell they must have been talking about why it's different when men are around at parties. And so the next thing we see is Alex saying, why can't you talk about vibrators and mixed company? And in all reality, it's like, come on, Alex. If I'm really thinking about it, am I going to talk about my vibrator in any in-depth conversation with my friend's husband? No, that's be- no. So yes, you cannot talk about vibrators in certain mixed company. Hence, your husband being there, it's weird. And then we get kind of a mini creepy Simon sighting. He's just, they, and I don't know if it's the producers doing it, but there's an overlay of his creepy laugh as they're talking about stuff, especially the vibrators. Ugh. 
And then we get the epic line from Alex. You can talk about vibrators. What's the big deal? Plug it in. And Bethany turns around and she's she looks at Alex and says, plug it in. What what era are you in? It's great. But we see them talk about it. They're clearly top making future plans and they all cheers with each other and have a great rest of the evening. And then we cut to Jill. She and Allie are going to Zarin Fabrics, or she and Bobby's business, Bobby's family business that's been around since the 1930s. And Jill is explaining that Allie needs to have an internship. And so she's going to do an internship at Zarin Fabrics. And when we get there, we're greeted by Brad, Jill's gay husband, who it is also explained is an interior designer who works for Zarin Fabrics and does a lot of the custom jobs for the bigger homes and mansions. So Jill and Allie arrive. Jill's explaining to Allie, you're doing an internship. You're going to do it for 12 weeks. Allie's like, excuse me, 12 weeks. She's, of course, a typical teenager, not thrilled about having to have a job. But Jill's like, sorry, money just doesn't get deposited into your account. And when I was 14, I worked at a Chinese takeout place. And so welcome to the real world. And we see Brad showing Allie around. And he's pretty regimented with Allie as she's complaining. He's like, you can't say that. You're the intern. You know, get a grip. And eventually he takes her over to the secretary's uh, desk and they say, okay, the secretary is going to step away. She's taking lunch. You have to operate the phones. So she gets a quick overview of how to operate the phones. And of course, Jill and Brad then go upstairs and start prank calling and making many phone calls, really testing Allie's skills. She's failing miserably. The secretary who, if you catch, says your your dad's going to have your head if you don't pick up on the first call. So she clearly thinks that this is Jill and Bobby's daughter. And Allie, of course, is saying just finally she gets it. She's like, stop calling here. Jill's calling and ordering for takeout food. It's it's pretty funny. And then we're on to Alex. We're back to her Brooklyn townhouse. And Simon is leaving for Australia because his stepfather has passed away. So he's going to go spend some time and be there for his mother. So he, if you can believe it, is going to have to spend nine days away from Alex and the kids. He's never done that before. And they show him he's telling Francois that he's leaving. And it is sweet because Francois like, I don't want you to leave. And I hate to fault him because he is being sweet with him. But he also it's like he tries to talk to him as a best buddy, as a friend. And he's four. So there's just some he tries to say, you know, I don't want to sugarcoat it, which is true. But he's still four. So he's telling him why he has to go and his stepfather got cancer and died. And of course, that elicits the question of what the heck's cancer, dad? He's four. And so he goes into an explanation as he's saying that he's, even though he doesn't treat them with kid gloves, he speaks on their level and he's speaking a little bit outside of their level. Let's be honest. But again, they always try to act like their kids are so brilliant. So not to be surprised. But again, he's just very clingy with the kids. He seems very insecure and therefore he clings to Alex. He clings to his kids. There's just always something a little off for it for me. So they have this big dramatic conversation about him leaving. It's awkward, but it's typical. And then we see Alex's interview and she says, we don't have to have each other all the time, but of course we want each other constantly. And it's just, again, I just feel like, She feels like he wants her to say it, so she says these things. It's just inauthentic. And we end with their perfectly reared children, covered in chocolate, being a little crazy. Then we go back to Jill's condo. Bethany is coming over to talk about the holiday party, which they decide they're going to do the Tuesday before Thanksgiving at the 21 Club, which they 
explain his old world New York, and they're chatting about invites, who they're going to invite. It's again, it's another one of the first setups because of course they know, or Jill knows, she's going into it. The only people there are the other housewives. So I'm sure she's going into it knowing that that's who's coming. But of course, they're setting it up for TV. So they're talking about who they're going to invite. And we see Bethany saying, you know, one reason to invite Ramona is so she can have a do-over with everybody after her poor behavior, a girl's night out. And I still am getting a little bit of of Bethany being a little bit enamored with the countess status of Luann because we see Bethany say, oh, yeah, yeah, I love Luann. I love Luann. And of course, Jill is counting all the way saying, well, of course, I'm owed an apology from Ramona, but I don't hold on to things. I don't hold on to things, which is laughable. As we see many interviews with Jill, she's saying, Ramona, you know, she's just hot and cold. You never know which Ramona you're going to get. But we do see Bethany, to her credit, trying to tell Jill, look, I had a good experience with Ramona. I think you're going to be surprised if you give her a chance. And so Jill is saying, yeah, I'm willing to give her a chance, but you never know who you're going to get, Ramona or Ramina, which is good because I got to give it to her. In the age of Bethany and her one-liners, Jill had a one-liner in there. And we end with Bethany then calling Ramona to invite her to the holiday party. And Ramona is being nothing but gracious, to which Bethany is looking at Jill like, huh, told you, so, okay. They get off the phone, and you've got hope that things are going to go well. Now we cut to Bethany. It's her birthday, November 4th. Again, we're at the Aqueduct Racetrack. She goes with Jill. She's spending clearly the day with Jill. And they're meeting up with Louie and Lee. Lee, we've met before. He's the CEO of the major liquor company that she met through her father. And Louie, she explains, she also met through her father at the Kentucky Derby. They're also kind of all connected here. We hear her again talking about how she grew up at the racetrack. It's, it's like a second home to her. So they're all sitting around at the table inside looking at the book, talking about who they're going to, to bet on. And this guy walks up who introduces himself as Black Joe. And Bethany, it's just such a great line. She goes, oh, Black Joe, of course. Perfect. I'm White Bethany. This is Jewish Jill. <laughs> so hilarious. And then we see the voiceover of Bethany saying, yeah, that's this is basically perfect for the racetrack. An inappropriate racial slur, a betting errand. Let's act like we're a big shot. This is just perfect. And then to top it off, Lee, her father's friend, gives her a present. It's her birthday. And Jill calls it, I think she maybe read the the bag that it came in, but Jill's going, oh God, I think it's lingerie. I'm nervous. And I love that she's saying out loud in front of the guys. And even the Louie guy, I note, J- uh, Lee says, this is from Louie and I. And Louie's like, nope, nope, this is from Lee. So Jill's saying, I'm nervous. It's lingerie. And even Bethany's like, oh God, me too. So she opens it up and it's not quite lingerie, but it's a lacy tank top lingerie-esque. We're lingerie adjacent, we'll call it. And Bethany's like, oh, cute. That's great. And Jill's like, oh, that's nice. You'll wear that. Yeah, okay, great. Cut to Bethany's voiceover interview where she looks straight dead-eyed to the camera and says, holy inappropriateness. What the F? I'm at the racetrack. I'm with my father's friend. It's my birthday. I have a boyfriend. And I'm opening up black lingerie. And she says, how do I rewind this, put it back in the box, and pretend this never happened? And we're with her. We're like, we're with you, Bethany. Oh, Lord, it's uncomfortable. But we move on. Jill is talking about how she is finding the racetrack exciting. Bethany is showing her around. She's wearing up to the elbow leather gloves, black leather gloves, might I add. 
And they go down to watch the horses as they're coming around beginning conditioning before the race. And Bethany is talking about her father, who is a world famous horse trainer. And she says, oh, look, there it is. And there's a sign. It says 2003 Empire Maker. She says, that's my dad's horse. He won the Belmont. And we're seeing horses. And I think it's one of her dad's horses because they do flash a picture that matches this description. But she's taking great pride in telling Jill, my dad's horses are always perfectly groomed. Their tail's chopped. Their mane is chopped perfectly. They're always perfect. And even Lee, who's standing kind of behind them, says, yeah, they're always perfectly groomed. And we still see Jill in one of her voiceovers talking about Bethany and saying she tries to act like she doesn't care about the lack of relationship with her family or what they do or say. But you can see the pride that she has when she's talking about her father. And we see Bethany's interview and she says she doesn't have much of an inter- of a relationship with her father, but she does know that her father is one of the best at what he does in the world. So now they're done looking at the horses and they go to one of the boxes up at the up at the racetrack. And Jill is clearly asking Lee how she and Bethany met. And Jill uh, and Lee says, we met at a luxury box at Yankee Stadium. Uh, I, w- I was with her dad. And Jill's kind of shocked that they were in the same place. And Bethany explains, we did not hug. We didn't say hello to each other, really. It's just that's how it is. And we see Jill in her voiceover saying that when she first met Bethany, she thought Bethany had no family. But now she's coming to realize it's not that they're, they, they're not alive. It's that she has no relationship with them, which in her mind is worse. And to Jill's credit, she gets it right. She says, and Bethany uses her humor to cover up her pain, which is true. So we cut back to the box and we see Jill just saying, you know, I don't know from that. I can't even imagine such a situation. But she turns to Bethany and says, don't worry, I'll be your mama. And we see a nice little sweet moment. And they're off. Now the horses are out. The race is on. They've clearly bet. And there's a big buildup. And then they don't win. And we see Jill, the ultimate complainer. Of course, she's saying, you know, they, they built him up so much. And of course, we didn't win. They talked it up, but we didn't win. It's <laughs> just classic. Just lost $500, Jill says. But overall, it looks like Bethany has a, a nice afternoon at the racetrack with Jill for her birthday. And now we cut to Ramona. She's with her friend Kathleen. And they're headed to Dr. Sharon Giese, Ramona's plastic shirt surgeon, who pops in many times throughout the, the seasons of New, York's, of New York City. And they're talking about the state-of-the-art machines. Looks like a cool sculpt or something of that sort of that time that she's got. And they're heading in for some procedures. And in the beginning, it's funny. Dr. Giese comes out, greets them in the lobby. Ramona introduces her to her friend Kathleen. She's talking about, we want to stay young forever. And Ramona says, yeah, we want to look 18. And Dr. Giese looks at her with kind of like, get real. She goes, 29, 29. And we see Ramona's voiceover. She's talking about how she doesn't want to resort to knives. She uses creams and has special creams for her face. And that's why she has no wrinkles. And again, you got to give it to her. She looks fantastic. And Ramona uses the time as they're getting their treatments to talk to Kathleen about her freak out at girls night out and that she hasn't seen the ladies since. And we see her say, yeah, well, since we haven't, I haven't seen them since, what should we call it? My frankness with him being there is how she puts it. And she's aware that she needs to redeem herself. And she hopes that Jill as the hostess will forgive her because she realizes she just bolted very abruptly. And then we see Kathleen just go, okay, let's get this over with. You just handed me a medicine ball or a small stress ball for me to squeeze while you're doing the procedure. So I'm assuming this is going to hurt. So can we move it along? So we see then Kathleen is getting Botox 
Of course, they flash Botox $900 on the screen. Price price flash alert. And so then they start talking about beauty and pain. Kathleen says, you know, I've been through divorce and childbirth. I can get through this. And we see Ramona. She says, I couldn't even have a second child because childbirth was so painful. She said, after that, I was like, nope, not doing that again. And now it's Ramona's turn for her treatment. She's getting a laser treatment on her face and like a cool sculpt on her legs. Another price flash alert. They they flash up as she's getting the laser treatment on her face. It says $2,500 for five treatments. And then she's doing this Vela shape. I'm sure it's like a cool sculpt type thing on her legs. Another price flash alert. It pops up $3,600 for six treatments. And then to my delight, we get another Ramona-ism. She's talking about looking younger. She says, you'll look younger than your chronicle age. Not chronological, but chronicle. It is so good. And after they're done having all their treatments, we see the ladies and Dr. Geezy toasting with champagne. They're done for the evening. And then we cut back to Bethany. She's with Jill again. And now they're going to her birthday dinner at Philippe. We were there before we saw her with the skinny girl margarita with Luann. Bethany explains there's a private room there that's very hard to get into, but she knows the owner and they've given her the entire room for the evening. And so she and Jill arrive. Jill gives her a present and it actually was real lingerie. And I don't know if they did it so they could bring up what Lee did in case it wasn't on film or if perhaps Bethany does say Jason loves lingerie when she opens it. So maybe Jill knew that and was just doing her a solid. I don't know, but it's ironic if not. And of course, Bethany says, oh, is this from Lee? They joke about it. And then we hear them talk. Jill, Bethany apparently re-gifted Lee's creepy gift to Jill. Jill says, I tried it on, but, you know, my boobs are way too big for it. So it's it's going to have to be re-gifted to somebody else. And then we hear Bethany explaining that Jason has been talking about moving in together and they're going to do it. And she wants to move downtown and he's now agreed. And before anybody else arrives at dinner, Jill once again grills Bethany. She's grilling him about, are you ready for him to sell his security blanket and for you to give up your apartment. And I'm assuming that means that part of them moving downtown must mean Jason selling a home that he owned. I don't know if he owns a home in the city. I'm assuming with the hours he worked, it would have to be in the city. So again, I feel Bethany is showing a bit of her unreasonableness. She's known the guy for less than a year. He's got three children. And now she's saying, I want you to upend your entire life, move downtown, sell your house for us to have a life together. It's a bit much. So Jill's digging in. There's only a 95% chance and you think there's a 5% chance that you're not going to close it. You can't do this. And she's all over her. But Bethany quickly puts it to an end and says, I love him. I'm not going anywhere. We're going to make it work. And then Bethany's friends arrive. Stephanie and Izzy are their names. I've never seen them since, not even in her. Well, I shouldn't say that, but I don't think we see them even in her spinoff. But they show up and then Jason shows up and then Bobby shows up. And I have to say, it really is like Bethany's friends, Stephanie and Izzy. It's almost as if they're not there. And it shows how production really could cut you out of a scene because they're in the middle between Jill and um, Jill and Bethany. And still they're going back and forth between Jill and Bethany's conversation. And you don't see a hint of Stephanie and Izzy during that. Anyway, Jason and Bobby show up. Bethany makes it a point to say that Jason has gotten off early to spend the evening with her. And then we see Jill launch into a montage of her obsessively talking about 
Bethany's birthday presents and the material things that Jason has, has has bought her for her birthday. And Jill says, did you see the earrings that that she got? And Bethany's like, oh, yes, Leo Sophia. He got me these great earrings for my birthday. And Jill goes on. So, yeah, you got the earrings. Is there anything else for this birthday weekend? Are you guys going anywhere? Nothing. Bethany, Jill finally chimes in again. Are we still working on a watch? Where are we on the watch? And finally, Bethany just can't take it. And she snaps and she looks up at, at Jill and she's like, if you talk about another thing, another material thing, I swear I'm going to stick one of these skewers in your eyeball. She's like, no more material things. That's it. I've had it. And Jill's taken aback. And we see her voiceover where she says, all I was doing was asking about her birthday present. And she totally cut my head off, which is half true. She was. But when you do see it put together like that, it's a bit much. And we also see throughout the years that Jill is a bit focused on those material things. And perhaps because she didn't come from a lot of money, she doesn't realize it, but she overcompensates by focusing a bit or perhaps even obsessing about it. And we see Bethany in her voiceover and she says, I hit the wall going 90. I had had it. But of course, they move they move on. They move past it. And by the end, they're toasting for birthdays. And it sounds like it was other people's birthdays within the realm of Bethany's as well. And so they toast and it sounds like they probably have a great rest of the evening. But of course, we leave with Jill saying to Bethany, geez, you are feisty tonight. I need to change your meds. And then we cut to Luann and her voiceover as she's walking in. And I will say she's always she's got great style. She's very classy and elegant in the way she dresses. And she's got this leather skirt and leather boots and just she looks beautiful and as she's walking in her voiceover she's mentioning how she is a countess and with that comes responsibilities and there's several charities that are near and dear to her heart so she goes to the Soho partnership which is helping homeless and recovering drug addicts back on their feet and Luann is there to offer some guidance to women who are trying to get back out there and Luann is paired up with a gal and she comes in and Luann's voiceover saying, you know, I'm amazed this this does not look like a drug person to me. It's like, oh, geez, cringe, cringe, Luann. But she does a mock interview with the lady. She gives her some pointers. And part of it was true and part of it's a little cringeworthy. But she's explaining to her, you know, don't do give too many details because there's a gap in her resume where she had drug problems. But she redeems herself at the end where she's telling the lady Everyone falls down. It really is about how you pick yourself up that matters. And I like that that was overall the the message that she delivered. And then she helps the lady pick out an outfit. She's a black woman. She's like, you've got that Condi Rice thing going when she puts on the power suit. They have a good laugh. They have a nice hug. It's very sweet. The gal's thanking her. Luann's saying, no, thank you. It's an honor to help. It is a nice moment, but you can clearly see the narrative that Luann is setting for herself. Then we're back to Alex's house in Brooklyn. She's going to Dr. Kasanoff's office for an evaluation of Francois. So we see her explaining to him that they're going to go see a guy who wants to see how much kids know. So she's already setting him up a bit with a comment like that to show off. So they go into the evaluation. Alex isn't in there. It's just the doctor and him. And Francois is doing very simple things. He's what color is this? And he says red. And you do see Francois say, but I can do harder things than that. So he clearly is smart. He's not a dumb kid, but they go on and he's teasing the guy. The guy's telling him to fit shapes into their corresponding little container. And 
he's acting like he can't do it. And of course, when the guy says, okay, we'll move on, then he's like, no, 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 he, I want another try. And he does it perfectly. So he's acting up. I don't, I don't know. It's weird. I'm not sure because they do seem to give him a lot of attention, but it's as, it's as if he doesn't have any attention and he's constantly trying to get it by bad behavior. And he, he even tells the doctor, I'm too smart for you. It's like, oh God. So anyway, he does the evaluation, but you can see then when the doctor asks him, so what country are we in? He says, New York. And he says, what year is it? And he says, I don't know. There are clearly some gaps in basic knowledge where he's perhaps not a genius, as Alex would say. And you can also see if Francois is just not focused and doesn't pay attention and doesn't really care. And perhaps it is the lack of discipline, why he feels like he doesn't have to do those things. But he definitely doesn't seem like a candidate for the gate program for me. And so the the interview is over or the assessment is over. Alex comes back, comes back in. He asks Francois if he can do the alphabet. And Alex, it's the most obnoxious thing. She says, uh, frontwards or backwards. It's like, oh my God, stop it. And the scene ends with Alex's interview saying, Francois is a smart boy. I know my son. I'm not worried about his performance in the meeting. And now we're back to Bethany. She and Jill are now going to look at apartments downtown because, again, she and Jason are talking about moving in together. It sounds like it's going to happen. And he's agreed to move downtown. And Jill shows up in such an epic outfit. And even Bethany can't help it. Halfway through the scene, she says Cher called. She's looking for her outfit back. It's so funny because Jill is dressed in this light brown suede number. It's suede pants with embroidered white kind of flowers and leaves up and down the entire outfit long suede pants, a long suede jacket. She's got boots on. It's quite an outfit. It's hilarious. I am, It almost makes me wonder, did Brad pick that out for you, Jill? And the answer is probably yes. So she and Jill are looking for apartments and it looks like there's new apartments being built. And there's a, sounds like a big wig real estate guy in New York City. His name's Brett Foreman and he's going to give them a tour. And we see Jill, she's talking about the end of the birthday dinner. And she says, yeah, she cut my head off. And I could have been pissed at her, but I forgave her. <laughs> right, Jill, of course. So now they're filling out applications. Bethany's milling over the three-bedroom, four-bedroom. And Jill's like, just check the four-bedroom. Let him show it to us. We don't need to limit it. I love it. That's totally the way I would think, too. I'm with you, Jill. And we see Bethany's interview. She says this is a big deal because once they move in, they are clearly on their way to marriage. So they meet up with Brett and he's going to give them a walkthrough of the construction site for the new apartments. And so they each get have to wear a hard hat. So they head over to the site. It's about a block away from the offices that they walked into. And another price flash alert. They flash up $3.45 million, the cost of a new three-bedroom apartment in the area. And Jill walks in. She immediately grabs the blueprints from Brett. She's like, this is the door. Here's where we go in. She walks in and she takes over. She is like, this is where you're going to have your dining room, your living room, this here, that goes here. Okay, this bedroom, you could put do bunk beds the kids could fit. Ooh, wood-burning fireplace, great. And we cut to Bethany doing uh, a great impression of her. You know, oh, wood-burning fireplace, great. She's she's She does a great impression of Jill. And we see Jill, you know, ooh, you can easily fit 14 people in this room. And the Bethany that we know and love comes back and says, great, 14 people don't even like me, Jill. <laughs> it's so funny. And then we see Bethany saying, this guy is a really big real estate guy. And Jill just comes in, takes the paper from him and takes over. She's like, it's crazy. And at the end, I always think, was it Dorinda, Sonia? Who said it? I think it was Dorinda. What are you doing here without Dorinda? 
I love Dorinda. But I think it was Dorinda that said, money talks, wealth whispers. And I always think of that because you see Jill, she looks over at Brett because they're talking about, let's come back and look at him together. Perhaps we'll bring Bobby and Jill's, uh, Bethany says, that's great. I love that. And Jill looks over at Brett and says, oh, that's my husband. He's a real estate junkie. He owns a ton of real estate. And it's just a bit braggadocious. But we also see and learn a little bit more about Jill. She explains that she actually has her real estate license and she does real estate with Bobby. And at the end, Jill wants to ask some questions and Bethany's like, go ahead, you're my agent. And they walk off. And then finally, it's here. Tonight is the finale holiday party at the 21 Club. Jill is the host. And the ladies are dressed to the nines. Jill's got that beautiful dress that we saw way back when, when she went with her mom, Gloria, to David Dietz, was it? David Dean's part. Sorry, David. But when they went to his thing and Gloria was very critical of the dresses, she's got that beautiful dress that she bought there on. Bethany has this beautiful black sequin number. They look fantastic. Bethany and Jill arrive. They also have their families with them. So Allie and Bobby are there. It appears that Jason will be showing up later, of course. Like I said, he works. He's like a Wall Street stockbroker type guy in in New York City. The guy probably works crazy hours. He's never going to be there on time. It just comes with the job. Luann then arrives. She looks fabulous. She's got kind of a disco number on. You can tell boots were in. Everyone's wearing their boots to the knee. She's got like a sequined number on. And we see Luann explaining. She follows her husband, the, the Count Alex. She follows him everywhere. She says, we usually spend Christmas and Easter in Europe. And then I catch it because you do see it's hard sometimes to see why people get annoyed or why they break, because, of course, there's only so much screen time. But, you know, Bethany does get a little bit sick about Jill talking about the material things because, you know, she does it. If she's doing it on camera, she's doing it off camera, too. And I caught at the very end. It's just the three of them, Luann, Jill and Bethany first. And at the end, Jill throws in, oh, to Luann, did you see the beautiful bracelet that Bethany was given by Jason for the holidays? And I'm sure it's so funny to me because it's like, Jill, are you trying to poke or prod her? Because you're just coming off of the birthday dinner where she said enough talking about the material stuff. I'm done with it. But I digress. And at that point, Alex and Simon arrive. I spy that Bethany's got what looks like a skinny girl margarita in her hand. And Bethany is talking with Simon and Alex and Luann about Ramona's behavior. And of course, Simon's joking, am I allowed to be here tonight? And Bethany is explaining, hopefully Ramona will redeem herself tonight. She needs a redo after her party lever behavior, I think she calls it. And Jill, who's still just so salty. It wasn't just party leaving, but whatever. That's what we get from Jill. And I also noticed that Jill is carrying around a really nice camera And she's taking pictures the whole night and she has Bobby taking pictures. So I wonder if she knew this was going to be the finale of the show and that's why she's taking photos. Seems like something Jill would do. So we see everybody. The kids are are there. The husbands are there. They're eating appetizers. They're having a wonderful time. Apparently the party was supposed to start at six. Now it's seven and Ramona is late. Bethany calls her. She doesn't pick up. She leaves her a voice message. Bethany's like, you better be on your way here. I hope you're coming because Jill is pissed. Jill, of course, she doesn't need much to be pissed at at Ramona. In fact, she's just looking for a reason. So she's not happy that Ramona is over an hour late at this point. But just in the nick of time, Ramona and Mario and Avery finally arrive. Ramona's in this pink sequin tight short dress that I said I think looks like a Barbie dress. And then, of course, Avery's going to repeat the same later on. I love it. 
And again, a great, I think she's 54 here. She looks like a 35 year old walking in. And Jill, of course, is giving her a bad time about being late. She's pissed. We see Ramona saying, I know I'm a strong lady, but Jill scares me sometimes. But eventually, Jill forgives her. They move it on. We also see Alex and Simon are clearly meeting Mario for the first time. But when Alex introduces herself to Mario, it's weird. But Mario almost seems to be a dick, like not interested at all. It's very, it was weird. It was strange things to catch. So needless to say, Ramona is on her best behavior and she is winning over Jill. We see the kids table. Again, as I said, we see Avery said, my mom looks like a Barbie. The kids kind of laugh. And then while they're sitting at the table, Breath Bethany brings up to Alex and Simon, what did you guys do with Simon being away in Australia for nine days? How did you handle it? And they talk a little bit, but of course you have given now, of course now Ramona, the door has been opened for her and she just is like a dog with a bone. She can't stop. So she jumps in on on poor Alex. She's asking her, well, are you even allowed a girl's night out now that he's out of town? What did you do? Did you do anything? And Alex is just trying to tell her and play it cool. I I work. I had my kids. We really kind of just did our day and went to bed. It's there's a lot on my plate, but Ramona just won't stop. And she's digging and digging. And we see Bethany's voiceover this week in an all new Ramona tortures Alex for being codependent. It's like, and we see what does Bethany say? Leave the woman alone or something like that. It's like, give her a break. So now everyone's been eating. Jason arrives. It looks like he arrived late. And Francois, Alex and Simon's son, apparently again needs attention, just starts screaming. He's literally walking around squawking like a parrot. It's ridiculous. And Ramona is just bent. She can't believe it. It's, to be honest, it really is. It's one of those things you feel bad that you don't like a four-year-old kid, but the behavior is so ridiculous. You end up not liking a kid. You feel like a bad person, but it's so obnoxious. And we see Ramona, she turns to Bethany and says, so I, so I guess they don't control them. And Bethany, even Bethany says, all right, Francois was a handful. She says Ramona was freaked out. And you can see she just has this moment of laughing and you can tell she just, she's reveling in Ramona's crazy behavior. And she says, it's so great how passionate and worked up Ramona gets. And she just loves it. And they're sitting at the table and as Ramona's just sitting there in disgust, at, and and the fact that Alex and Simon are not addressing it and disciplining the kid, it's crazy. And Bethany turns to Ramona and is Ramona saying, my daughter would never have behaved like this. She was, you know, I could have nice things out. She knew. And Bethany says, oh, me too. She says, like with Jason's kids, I am strict and they know and they listen to me. And cut to Simon. He's talking to Mario. He's finally met Mario. And Simon says, oh, you know how I met your wife. And Simon says, oh, yeah, I heard of that girl's night out thing. Was she nasty? Because, you know, I know how she can be. It's like Mario. And Simon Simon actually takes the high ground and is very respectful and says, no, she was not nasty at all. And Mario's like, come on, Simon, tell the truth. And Ramona's like, Mario. And Ramona does sit at the table and say, look, you don't know me very well. And my husband always says I'm a bull in a china shop. And Bethany says, yeah, you better check yourself before you wreck yourself, to which Jill just loves it, of course. And it appears that Jason was probably so late he missed dinner. So they've brought him the 21 burger price flash alert. They pop up $30 for the 21 burger. And they're sitting around. They're talking about it. Ramona's explaining. Sometimes she does go off the rails. And eventually Simon and Ramona hug and make up. And Bethany says, yeah, Ramona, OK, you're off the hot seat. So now we're back to Jason sitting there with the $30 21 burger 
and Francois, who has a little toy kangaroo in his hand, comes over and starts stabbing it with the kangaroo over and over. And Simon's sitting there. Jason, you can tell Jason and Bethany and is it Ramona? They're just sitting there in absolute horror. Like you see Bethany smirking like, you've got to be kidding me. These people who say my kid can sing Twinkle Twinkle in Latin. And Bethany says she's shocked. She's like their kids should be more disciplined by the way in which they speak about how they rear them. And it is shocking because Simon's sitting there. He's holding Johan, their, their younger son. And he's looking at Jason, who's just like, oh, my God, this kid is just totally stabbing my dinner. And Simon says, Jason, you have boys, right? So you know the story. And it's like, no, no, Simon. I guarantee Jason's children's children would not behave like this. And then we get classic Bethany interview where she's explaining that the first time she met Alex, she told her that he could sing Twinkle Twinkle in Latin. She says, I think it's actually more important not to stab your boy, your friend's boyfriend's burger. Which one of these is going to be more helpful in life? <laughs> it's so true. And now we cut. Jill is calling. They, they want to take a big group picture. And Jill says, because guys, as the five of them are standing there ready for their picture, we're fabulous Manhattan moms. Again, a little hint that the show wasn't really supposed to be Roni. It was going to be its own thing called Manhattan Moms. So we see Jill's final little tribute to the original name of the show. So they stand there. Bobby takes a nice picture of them. And now we get the ending synopsis. I forgot that they do this even for the first season. I just love it. It's where we see their picture and we get kind of a what they've been up to now since the show ends. I just love it. So Luann is first. It says that she's currently writing a book on manners and etiquette and that she continues to visit the Count in Switzerland despite the lice outbreak. It's so great. And what's so interesting about this is that even their kids and their husbands get a little synopsis at the end. So we see Victoria, they freeze on her photo and say that she's been accepted into a boarding school in Connecticut. She's going to be going there in the fall. And then Noel, he gets his own little synopsis, says he's still doing his breakdancing and he recently took up skateboarding. Then we see Alex. She's interacting with her kids and it's it's so awkward it's, it's like she's trying too hard. I, I don't know. I don't know. She's always trying to please Simon. I feel like she might live on eggs in eggs on walking on eggshells with him. I'm not sure. But they freeze frame and it comes up and they're mocking her because it says Simon and Alex are pleased to announce that Francois will be attending kindergarten at one of Brooklyn's best public schools. It's so hilarious. And then the next one comes up, kind of like their update for the kids. Francois learned to say there is an iguana in my shoe in German and Latin and Chinese. Again, just showing the uselessness of all of it. The producers are making quite a point and showing that if they want to come for you, they can come for you, but they can also cover for you. And then we're at Ramona and we learn that she started a skincare line, True Renewal Cosmetics, coming up in season two. It will be and then it announces that it's coming out in August of 2008. And then we cut, we see Avery is coaching Ramona because she's taking a picture, just mother and daughter. And before their picture, before their picture, Avery looks at her and says, Mom, don't fake smile. Just try to be normal. It's so great. And then Avery gets her synopsis. It stops. It says Avery is putting acting on hold to focus on her studies as expected. And then it comes up and says, and also help her mom dress appropriately. Pretty funny. Now we're on to Bethany. 
We cut to her on her phone. Looks like she's doing business. It's such a foreshadow because what she says is it has to be the Kobe Club because J.P. Morgan sponsored. It's like a total Sonia Morgan foreshadowing. I loved it. I've never caught that before. And then we cut to Bobby. He's sitting with Jason at the table. He's kind of grilling Jason saying, is Bethany the woman for you? And you can just see it. I see it in Jason. He's not totally sold. And I think he feels like I do that he's being rushed because he says, yes, Bethany's the woman for me. I'm so lucky that I met her eight months ago. And the fact that he's pointing this out, I really do think he's making a point like, I just met this woman. So just FYI, everybody out there, I'm not being totally ridiculous. And it freeze frames on Bethany. And it says that she's landed a multi-book deal starting in March of 2009, her Skinny Girl book series. And it says that Jason asked her to move in, but she wants to wait until they are engaged, which I just, I didn't understand that. Perhaps they're covering because spoiler alert, they don't end up together in the end. But I always thought that was weird because there was no pretense of I have to be engaged before I'm going to move in. In fact, there's the interview where Bethany is saying this is huge for us to move in together because once we do that, we're on our way to marriage and engage, you know, getting engaged. So I do think that was, was perhaps a cover or an attempt to foreshadow what was going on with a breakup with Bethany. And then we cut to Jill and you really can see that she's meant to be the narrator here. It, it clicked for me that, oh, she was supposed to be kind of the hub, the person that everybody knew, the one who was giving the voiceover. But Bethany is quickly becoming that person. But we see Ali. She gets a little synopsis herself. It says her arthritis is under control and that she's helping kids with her same with her same disorder. And of course, Bobby, it looks like Bobby hosted the dinner. It wouldn't surprise me. This is season one if Bobby actually paid for the dinner because everybody does toast and thanks Bobby for the dinner. And we end with Jill. She's standing there and she's voicing over that she and Allie recently visited an orphanage in the Dominican Republic and they were bringing supplies and that she and Bobby plan to take a Mediterranean cruise in August. And the show closes. We see the ladies again, prototype in classic Roni style. We see the ladies standing in a semicircle. They've each got a a glass to cheers with, and they cheers to a wonderful season and a wonderful holiday season coming up. And that's how we end season one of Real Housewives of New York City. Well, guys, that's the final episode for season one, but we're not quite done with season one yet. We still got to break down the reunion and the lost footage. So join us next week when we break down the season one reunion entitled Watch What Happens. And as always, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Deep Fix Podcast. And find us on Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and most other places where you find your podcasts. See y'all then.